Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. I never do this, but I'm going to do a little intro for you because <laughs> you have quite the background. So oh gosh. Dr. Fisher is a board certified reproductive endocrinologist, as well as a board certified obstetrician and gynecologist, medical director of Spring Fertility New York City. She went to Mount Sinai School of Medicine, followed by residency at Yale New Haven Hospital with a fellowship at Columbia New York Presbyterian Hospital. Like, Wow. And you joined Spring Fertility in 2022 after being in practice for years in the area. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, especially because your ethos is really that patients deserve exceptional clinical care with honesty and transparency. And that's something that I feel like most women have no clue how to access. And so I'm so thankful that we can get you on here to get some information, to shine some light on Spring Fertility. I'm so excited. So thank you. My pleasure. I'm excited too. It's fantastic to meet you. I want to just dig right in. My first question, which I think is always my my personal question and I think really important to everybody is how many months should you try to conceive naturally before seeing a doctor? And I'll tell you why that's so important to me because the first time I tried, I went to my doctor thinking that he would do an ultrasound, see how many eggs I had, make sure I was healthy, give me advice. And he said, come back if you're not pregnant in a year. Yeah. Which made me feel very unseen. I know. I mean, it's, it's really hard because the diagnosis of infertility is if you were less than 35 and you've had 12 opportunities for a conception, you have infertility. And so that means that 85% of people are pregnant at that point if you're less than 35. And so if you're in the 15% that aren't, maybe there are variables or concerns. But mm. there are two misconceptions here. One, if you don't have regular cycles, 
that doesn't count, right? So it's 12 opportunities for a pregnancy. So if your cycles are like 60 days, oh my God, don't wait a year, right? So some of this is very individual. Yeah, what do you do if you do, if your cycle isn't regular? Yeah, you come in early. And so this is, we talk yeah. about this a lot, right? Honestly, in my office, because there's a lot of misconceptions around fertility and a lot of fear and fear mongering. And the most important thing for a cycle or like fertility in general is a regular period. But you should be working on that first and foremost. Yes, and if you don't have that, we should figure out why, right? That's never normal. So the question is, is it a thyroid issue? Is it a prolactin issue? Is it a weight issue? Diet? Like there's ask you something. I had a family member. I talked about this once on the podcast. I had a family member tell her daughter who was telling me my periods are never regular. And I said, that's not normal. And her mom said, no, my periods were never regular either. It's genetics. And I was like, No. no, I think it's lifestyle related. You both like don't eat that much, work out a lot. You're high stress. Like it's all of those things. Yeah. Totally. Yes. I mm-hmm. was like, I don't want to be judgy here because I'm a mom and I would never want, but I was like, I think some women can say to themselves like, Oh, my mom had irregular periods. I have one that's normal. But mm-hmm. I think we should kind of just agree. I mean, from it's, not. Saying, it's not, it's not, right? it's yeah. not. And there are definitely different causes of it. So one is what you're talking about. Like exercise induced amenorrhea is something. And some people, you don't have to be like on the scale low weight. It's just, you're really lean. So I've had patients who weigh 200 pounds and have exercise induced amenorrhea because they're so muscular. So the point is, if you have irregular cycles, go see your gynecologist or fertility specialist as soon as possible to understand what's the cause of that. And what do you do when they say, we're going to put you on birth control? So hopefully no one says that when you're trying to get pregnant, right? But birth control becomes like a band-aid. And also birth control right now, and I'm sure you're seeing this, is it's really kind of buzzy to say, like, don't go on birth control. I totally. love That's, birth control, yeah. right? Like to I be agree. clear, it's completely I love be birth control. In the right way, yes. you know? It can be the treatment for a lot of these things, but first you have to figure out what's going on. So I would say if you have an irregular period and someone just says you take this pill, I would say, no, hard stop. Why do I have an irregular cycle? Mm-hmm. At the minimum, they should do due diligence to figure it out. Sometimes you can't figure it out. And then you just go listen. I've ruled out all of these things. Start this. And when you want to get pregnant, we'll talk again. But most of the time we can figure it out. And so it's either you treat it because it's your thyroid, you treat it because it's your weight and exercise. There are ways to do this, but it is never you know, normal for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. And I do think people believe because like their mom had it, their sister, that that makes it okay. It's not. So that's necessary for fertility. So back to like, how often do you try? I would say if you're starting to get nervous or anxious and it's been a couple of months, there's no reason that you shouldn't go in and just ask some questions, right? There are some things we can learn early. And I I do this all day, every day. I just did this. A 30-year-old patient's like, hey, I'm not ready for a year, but I want to make sure it's okay that I pause. And I say transparently, I'm not a clairvoyant. I can't tell you that you're not going to have issues in a year, but I can rule out some big picture stuff. I can Mm -hmm. make sure that there's sperm and then it's adequate to have like a conception. I can make sure that your fallopian tube, so the tunnels that need to be open for eggs to come together, that they're okay too. Mm -hmm. And and that you have a regular cycle. And that's like the end of a preconception evaluation. If all those things are good for, you know, all intents and purposes, everything should be okay. And if it's not, then I've told you really early, this is going to be a problem. And I have that talk a lot with PCOS too. I say, listen, you're freezing your eggs, but I want you to know that because your cycles are irregular, you are very likely going to need my help in the future. So don't wait eight months. Come to see me when you're ready and we'll mm-hmm. start you know, initiation treatment at that point. For someone who has PCOS or endo and is maybe very far away from trying to conceive, single, just starting their career, would you recommend that if you have endo or PCOS that you freeze your eggs on the earlier side? 
Gosh, that's actually a really tricky question because so PCOS and endo, very different like yeah. etiologies. Mm-hmm. So PCOS is also a spectrum, right? And so not every woman, there are three things one needs to have a PCOS diagnosis. You have to have two out of the three. Mm-hmm. One is an irregular cycle. Mm-hmm. And irregular just means that it is longer than 35 days or less than 21 days. So if you get a period every 40 days and you're thinking, okay, but the cadence is regular, it's every 40, that's actually still by definition irregular. Mm. So that is a mis- like misconception all the time. So irregular cycles and then ovaries that have a lot of follicles and a lot just means more than 12 per ovary and or hormonal symptoms of high hormones. So like chin hair, back hair, cystic acne, or like elevated testosterone levels. You need two mm. out of three of those things. If you have, in addition to this, insulin resistance, Mm-hmm. So you tend to like gain weight in your belly or it's really hard for you to it's lose so weight. It's so crazy how big my belly has always, I've clearly had PCOS since I was like 14. Oh, no. My belly oh, no. fat since I was young has always been so prevalent. It felt like such a relief when I found out that that was a symptom of PCOS. I, I Now I just call it my like hormonal tummy. I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, it's embarrassing. I'm, I just turned 40 and I never had issues getting pregnant. I like had an IUD. I pulled out, I got pregnant. I went to birth control. I stopped them. I got pregnant. I never thought anything of this. I had probably no idea what my cycles were like before I started the pill, but I started at 16. Oh, and wow. now I'm a fertility doctor. And I was thinking about taking out my IUD. So I had my colleague like look and scan me and she's like, do you know that you're floridly PCOS? And I had never thought about it, even though I had gestational diabetes. I had all these things. I was like, you're Jill, what? No, Mm -hmm. me? Never. And it's really funny how you just, you don't know. And then you find out and everything kind of clicks. You're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, like the (laughs) hair that I pull out on my chin every three weeks. (laughs) So like that, that's it. Duh, I'm an endocrinologist. What's my problem? But like, it's it's hard. So So if you have insulin resistance, you can have egg quality issues because an egg is just a cell. And what you're talking about when we say insulin resistance means when your body takes in carbohydrates and no matter what you eat, it's going to break it down to carbohydrates. You are inefficiently burning that form of energy. Mm -hmm. And so if you have that globally, you definitely have at the level of the, egg cell. And then you wonder, okay, so is the quality impacted? Sometimes yes. So I say my patients, please say, listen, I add a cofactor on of let's call it a year to two years. And so if you're 28, I'm not so stressed. If you're 34, I'm kind of worried. I'm saying I would freeze your eggs sooner rather than later because I'm concerned about quality. And there's absolutely data that women who have PCOS have higher rates of miscarriage. And that probably has more to do with like obesity and other sequelae, but we don't know. So we talk about these things. Endometriosis is different. Endometriosis, the dogma used to be that it impacted egg quality. Now the pendulum is kind of swung and it's more that it impacts receptivity. So it's like the Mm. uterus itself because women who have endometriosis, when they make embryos and they transfer those embryos to a carrier, so it's like a different uterus, they implant at the same exact rate as one without endometriosis. Uh, so then you've kind of controlled for a variable. Mm-hmm. And then you're saying, okay, so it's the uterus. So what do you do? In endo, it's really well treated and suppressed by birth control pills. So that is a situation I would say, actually stay on combined birth control pills until you are ready to try mm-hmm. and then peel it off because you want that to be as suppressed as possible before you initiate anything. And should you freeze your eggs early? Endometriosis and fertility is multifactorial and it can be yeah. structural which means if that tissue has like glommed onto the fallopian tubes, you're going to have infertility because you're going to have tubal disease and tubal damage. So a lot of this is just individualized counseling once you go talk to somebody, but I would always say talk to people early. And if you have a really painful periods, that's not 
normal. Yeah. It's not normal to be throwing up, having diarrhea, having to like not go to work. That's not standard. So talk to somebody about that. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But I just had the founder of Parsley on the podcast and she was saying like she did a study, like a random study of like 2,500 women, I believe it was. And it was like, a huge percentage of those women were taking time off of work every month because of their symptoms. We see it all the time. I used to never, I couldn't go to school when I was little because I would bleed. I was like bleeding out. That's why it's so great to do things like this and just get education out there. So that, cause we don't, we're not sitting around the water cooler talking about this, right? So it's really mm-hmm. important to know that is a barren, right? And so what does it mean? What can I do? The more women understand about their bodies, like the better we're all going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Another question, which I'm actually really curious about because I have not done this and I wish I froze my eggs a long time ago, but that's okay. If you decide to freeze your eggs or or make embryos, what happens if and when you need to use them? So this is also a really common misconception. When you do egg freezing, what everyone needs to understand is you are freezing like the start of a really long assembly line. So it's Mm -hmm. all potential. And the success of your egg freezing cycle is really predicated on how many eggs we have frozen and how old you were when you froze those eggs. And clinics like Spring have internal outcome data where I can say, hey, if you're 29 and you froze 15 eggs with me, this is what we've seen happen. This is your chance of having like one child. But in order to make those eggs into an embryo in a pregnancy, you have to warm them. And all of that data is assuming you're going to warm the majority of your eggs. So let's say you freeze 20 eggs mm-hmm. and I'm giving you these statistics. I'm assuming we're warming 20. If you decide, hey, I'm going to warm 10, the number changes. So people have to understand that too. And you can choose to warm as many as you want. Oh God, no one ever talks about this. No. And the other piece of this is, is important is I can't put that one egg at a time, right? So what happens is the egg is in my lab. I warm it and I put it with sperm in the lab. I can't just put the egg back in your body and yeah. have it be like naturally fine sperm. Not how this works at all. So you, yeah. yes, you have to do IVF when you do egg freezing. 
egg freezing is just the first half of an IVF cycle. It's the stimulation and growing of the eggs. The second half is like the embryo creation. Okay. So essentially what women are doing is you're just splitting up into two pieces. You're saying, I'll do like the shots first and months or years later, I'll make the embryos. So your commitment of time doesn't exist, right? We'll warm the eggs on some day that we'll tell you and we'll place it with sperm. You don't have to come to the office. We'll let you know this is what's going on. And in general, the recommendation is to warm as many eggs as you can. Again, there are different situations. I've had people tell me I've frozen 30 eggs and I want to warm 15. Absolutely. It makes total sense to me. Right. Yeah. So we talk it through, but they're big numbers. They're big numbers and not everyone has big numbers or will like combine the previously frozen eggs with your new cycle. So there's lots of different ways to do this. But no matter what, when you freeze eggs, your goal is to make an embryo because yeah. you can't test an egg. People don't get that either. Oh, eggs you test are, the embryos for yeah, all the genetic mutations. Exactly. It has to be like a fully no, formed. Yeah. Precisely. Because eggs are single cells. So if I tested an egg, I would destroy it. Yeah, I'd find out what it was made of, but you could never use it. So how does that help anybody? All so right. we make assumptions. And I say, if you're less than 35, I'm assuming about 75 to 80% of those eggs are starting with good material. I could be wrong. And that's why egg freezing is complicated because what if you are 34, but your egg quality is poor and I don't know. And I've harmed you by saying that. So yeah. this is where it's a really nuanced. We talk about it a lot. Embryos are hardy. They are hundreds of cells. And so you can steal a couple of those cells to understand what's the genetic composition of the embryo. Mm. And the reason to do that is you're going to really decrease your miscarriage rate because yeah, majority of miscarriages are genetics. And if at all, it's important to you, you can figure out genders. And our goal is to transfer healthy, so chromosomally normal embryos. And mm -hmm. if you do so, rates are really, you know, tremendously successful. Embryo freezing, therefore, is kind of a safer form of preservation. You know, the final product. Yeah, so you're I like, can I say, have four boys, three girls, yeah. they're all healthy, like I'm good to go. And we've jumped all these hurdles for an egg. I'm going, I don't know what's going to happen. I really, really don't, right? Everyone performs differently and there are standards and averages, but on an individual level, it really yeah, matters. You don't like, know the quality of those. No. Eggs. And so, and there are some things I can say. So things that impact egg quality that we know, cigarette smoking, obesity, age, all right? Now, obesity, less of all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. But really age and cigarette smoking. And so this is why we talk about freezing eggs as soon as you can within reason. It's really mm -hmm. expensive. We all know that. So I always say to my younger patients, listen, if you can do this, great. But if you're like not taking that vacation or like mortgaging, you know, your yeah. house or like, don't, don't do it. Like it, it's okay. Yeah, it's um, a huge financial. It's a huge and very few young women have slush funds, right? So mm -hmm. different conversation, but there's, there's a financial hardship here. So we talk about that too. So embryo freezing, egg freezing, totally different animals. The other thing about embryos that people need to be aware of is once you make that embryo and you combine it with a sperm, you are committed to that sperm source. You can't undo that. Yeah, that's what so, I, yeah, totally. And that's, I mean, that's a real thing. That, that man, or is it attached yes. to that embryo? Mm -hmm. And you have to decide if you're legally married when you make embryos, at least in the state of New York, I'm not sure about California, to be honest with you, that is property. And so you have to distribute property. So I've had patients, no joke, have to give up apartments so they could keep their embryos. And I say to every couple in my office, no judgment ever, Whoa. freeze some eggs and freeze some embryos, right? Just sort of make sure you have optionality. And if you can't, we talk through like, what's the priority? But women's fertility is much more fragile than men's. And if you're not legally married, that's even more complicated because then embryos can stay in like kind of purgatory until you both decide what you want to do with them. Yeah, complicated. Whoa. I know. Sophia Vergara had that like lawsuit with her ex-husband. Uh-huh. This is how people know us, and it's exactly right. 
So essentially, somehow the horrible they way were... to know about something that's like very important. But yes, like, but I this... remember being so shocked, and I was, but I was like, oh, I guess it's not shocking because like those are his children, and, and this is important. And like so, spring, you can't move material without all parties agreeing. So mm-hmm. I can't ship someone's embryos to Louisiana where they have personhood without everyone being on the same page. Yeah. Because once you move embryos to a state where embryos have rights, it gets really complicated really fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really important case. Wow. I know. <laughs> well, my girlfriend, I have, I've had multiple girlfriends who are single in their 40s who've made embryos with donor sperm just in case they want yeah. to get, you know, they were like, I don't know if I want to have kids. Maybe I'll have a partner that does one day. If that doesn't work, I have these, but you know, it's like, it's very cool that you can allow yourself to like have these options. Yes. And when you use donor sperm, and this happens a lot too, that is the best test of an egg's quality. So if people are really risk averse or you're older and you're, and you are really considering being a single mother by choice, or you're younger considering that, if you decide to take some eggs and fertilize them with sperm, that is going to be predictive of the other eggs you have frozen. So I will talk about that all the time, which is, listen, if, if you're interested in this and willing to potentially go down this path, this is really helpful because it's going to tell you about your egg quality, your individual egg quality. Otherwise, we don't know. So that happens a lot. I had one patient once ask me to, all the eggs were retrieved, to test the eggs individually to see what her personal rate of like chromosome abnormalities was. And then she would do another cycle. Only happened one time, but I was like, that's so wild. Okay. That's so and high I, pay yeah. rich New York yes, person. Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Like this is challenging, but like you got it. Yeah. And I think cool. it really helped her. But by the way, it was totally within averages. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we just, we just proved that you're completely healthy, normal 30 something year old. So funny. Yeah. How do you pick a clinic and a doctor that is right for you and your goals? And that's something that I get. Someone text, it was so funny too. Like a girlfriend of mine texted me yesterday. She's probably, she might be close to a year postpartum, but same thing as me postpartum. I was like not losing weight. My hormones were all over the place. She's like, I feel like I need to see an endocrinologist. Like things are not Mm. going back to normal. I would like to have another kid but I feel like a mess. Like, where do I go? It was like a long conversation of back and forth being like, yeah, like what's the answer for that? Like there are, I mean, that's why we have places like spring fertility, thank God. But I was like, you know, it's so funny that this is like a adult successful woman who owns a business who like didn't know where to go to get help with her hormones in Los Angeles. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think the state of healthcare is rough right now. Honestly, I think it's really hard to find a doctor that you feel like cares about you and understands your personal like belief system and what's, you know, what you need and has the time honestly, and isn't just like going to charge you an arm or leg to do so. So this, this is an important question because fertility is really personal and gets really emotional, even fertility preservation when you're thinking, if you're like the coolest cool person and you're like, I have coverage, this is nothing, it's still really impactful. So what I would honestly say first and foremost is you have to go to a clinic that's good at its job. The benefit of being in a place like New York, San Francisco, LA, most of the clinics are because you're in strong metropolises where they're going to recruit the best of the best. So, but still do your due diligence and look things up. And I actually have a friend in LA currently who was at a clinic, made lots of embryos. It's not really working out for her. And I looked up her success rates at that clinic because I was like, well, we should just look. And they're really poor. And I was like, did you know this? That's crazy. And she was like, I had no idea. I know this existed. I was like, okay, so this could be lots of other things, but it could be that, yes. And 
in fairness, the stats, which is called SART.org, are imperfect, right? They're skewed. They're sometimes like favor certain approaches over others, but it's going to give you a gestalt, which is just that this is kind of in the average range. Don't split hairs if it's like 60%, 62%. That's irrelevant. But if it's way less, like a little bit of bell should be ringing. So that's one, success outcomes. Two is what do you need? And like your honest, honest, heart of hearts, what do you need in a doctor? Do you need efficiency, right? Do you want them to be in and out and like you're going to work doing your thing? Do you want to see them and see mostly them as often as you possibly can? Do you care about hours, location, things like that? I used to work at a clinic that I truly, really loved. I had nothing bad to say about my old clinic. The process through it though was really high volume and I didn't see my patients as often as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And it made my job much easier, honestly. Yeah. But my patients didn't know that I knew them or knew them as well as I did. And so when mm-hmm. things would get a little hairy, the instinct was always like distrust or like, you don't even know me. And it was really hard for me because I was like, oh, I really do, but I don't know how to prove it to you because mm-hmm. you haven't seen the whites of my eyes this whole cycle. <laughs> and spring, a part of the appeal for me and like why I made this jump was I really get to see my patients. And so I get yeah. to figure out what are they going through in that moment? Are mm-hmm. they okay? Are they not okay? Like, do we have to do check-ins more frequently? Am I hitting their goals as a provider? And also, honestly, just like a human, what do yeah. they need from me? And what do they need from the team? I used to think it didn't matter, which I know sounds terrible. I'm like a curmudgeon worker. And I was like, success matters. That's it. Who cares? Whatever. Totally. I truly think like post-pandemic, New York changed a little bit. And I know you're a former New Yorker. And I think people care about relationships. And I think they care about feeling cared for. And it's not to say that other clinics don't care for patients. They totally do. But I don't know that patients feel it as kind of acutely as you do at a place like spring where it's really kind of, it's hands-on and it's exhausting, but also like just so wonderful to have that relationship with the patient. And so if one needs that, you find places like spring. If the goal is just in and out, it's okay. Hours don't matter. Then I would go with convenience. What's the closest yeah. one to you? You know what I mean? I like, know people so, love that. Even when it too. comes to, mm-hmm. when you are pregnant, like I have friends in the same doctor, like I wanted a doctor who was a woman who was younger, who was a little bit more emotional with me, who I felt like I had a personal relationship with. Mm -hmm. And I have two friends who go to a doctor in the same office that is like, this woman is just like cut dry. I saw her before and I was like, oh, I don't like her bedside manner. (laughs) And everyone was like, like my two friends were like, I fucking love her. Like, I don't need to talk about anything. I want to go in. I want to know what's happening. I leave. I can move on. You know, it's like, it's just so personal. I do think for me, having more of a relationship through this process, when I'm sure you see this oftentimes, like as much as your job is based in science, there's all that like yummy God stuff, the like mm-hmm. things that happen when you're not trying the magical moments. You, I'm sure when, you know, I'm sure you tell your patients all the time, like being stressed, like if you're stressed, your body's not going to give you as many eggs as you want. You know, it's like, you have to have a lot of that yummy, warm stuff. <laughs> like the baby needs to feel like it's going to a safe place. You know, I'm always like, it wants to go to a safe place. Like if you're in a bad place, like I would like just look just like that's how I picture my body. It's like, this is a warm, happy environment for you to be in. Like, I know that's like an important part of it. It's honestly, it's hard because I don't, I don't know that I say that because what I really try to not do is ever like ascribe like a blame to a patient. So if I say, Mm -hmm. hey, 
you're right. It's because you've been so stressed, neglecting yourself. That's then why this is gonna, happening. They're going to be mm-hmm, they're like, oh my God, what have I done? And the first instinct always when things don't go to plan that I see is people blame themselves. Mm-hmm. They're like, what did I do? It's like, you did nothing, nothing, right? That's not well, we what happened here. That women. It's like always. my body couldn't do it, you know? So I honestly try to say, it's not about all the other stuff. It's actually about like the science and the oh, hormones. Oh, wow, okay. And, totally and I really- sense. And I do, you are totally right that for a body to get pregnant, it has to feel safe to reproduce. That's true. And so that's why if you're really lean, the system's like, we don't have anything extra. So you can't get pregnant. And usually what happens is you lose your cycles because the system's going to shut down that process. Mm-hmm. Stress and infertility, it's it's Sisyphean. We don't, what came first, the stress or the infertility. Totally. So I try to tell people to do as much as they can to eliminate stress and use tools like acupuncture, meditation, exercise, whatever it is to get mm-hmm. through. But if you're tool is to just keep on grinding, grind, right? Yeah. Nothing, nothing's going to happen. So this is again, where it's individual and probably different cities, different things. But I would say, honestly, I am probably less woo woo than a lot of people. I am very much more like, this is what has evidence. This is what doesn't. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I just will tell you to not do things that might cause harm. So this is where I like say this and this could actually hurt you. Don't do this. Like what? Like ovarian PRP is something that's really popular right now, which is where no you take. Way. Oh God, yeah. This is where, because I think something I had asked a lot is, Whoa. can I change my numbers? How do I increase my numbers? And this feels really hard, especially for type A women, of which most people are, mm-hmm. where I say, you can't. Numbers are numbers. It's not movable. It's going to shift a little bit. So if one month there's five, there may be a month where it's eight, there may be a month that's two, but it's kind of the same bracket for me. Totally. I can't get your five You're not going to from 20 two to 30. Yeah. And nothing can. So then you have this thing, ovarian PRP. I can put stem cells in your ovaries and I'll take it from your blood and stick it in there and poof, you'll get more. No. And that can cause harm. And there's no evidence Whoa. to suggest that it really does that. And so this is where I say, you can, but please don't. Right. Yeah. I really work from a place of like autonomy. So if I, I counsel and then I say it's up to you, but I really wouldn't do this, mm-hmm. but we'll still be friends if you do. Right. And like, let's yeah. think about why you're doing this. I think of the fertility world, and I'm sure you see this all the time in your world, has a lot of like fringe stuff. And what we try to figure out is what is helpful and what is harmful. And no one ever has a malicious intent, I don't believe. No, of course so not. So it's like, I, I really don't. So it's just like, okay, why would they be suggesting this supplement to you? How could it help you? Mm-hmm. And might it have benefit? Great. And if it has no harm, the answer is obviously no brainer. Do it. Yeah. There are some things that we don't know that have like phytohormones. So plant-based hormones are going to make your cycles wonky. And mm-hmm. maybe you didn't know that when you took like ashwagandha, right? But that can happen. So- I have these conversations a lot because a lot of people turn to alternative therapies first because it feels more comfortable Mm -hmm. and science feels scary. And I get it. I so get it. So I try to like straddle the middle on that whenever I can. That makes sense. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, these are the questions that were asked by all my lovely followers on Instagram who are always like, oh my God, I'm nervous. Me. Okay, I'm ready. No, 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 these are totally good and normal. <laughs> and you already answered one, which was how does PCOS affect fertility? But I would say, do you have any other tips there? Like, again, I also know that like saying you have PCOS is also like saying you have leaky gut. Like there's so mm-hmm. many variables there. I always compare it to that. So that maybe should be something that like you really should, again, just like work shop with your doctor, right? Yes, totally. And leaky gut, which is a relative leaky gut and SIBO are like new things, I would say. They're not new, but they're new diagnoses that are pretty frequent now because I think people are paying closer attention to symptoms and complaints. PCOS used to be called Stein-Leventhal disease. It's been around forever and has criteria. And whereas leaky gut, it's more like you have these things, therefore it's a suggestion, therefore it is. It's like, it's, you can't prove it. PCOS, you can prove. The other thing to be aware of in PCOS, not everybody has the same spectrum. There are different phenotypes of PCOS. So not everyone has an irregular cycle. Not everyone has the acne. Not everyone has a a Mm -hmm. high number of follicles. And so what I would say is it depends on what your individual PCOS is, what the recommendations are for like management. I had a woman recently who was thin, had so had lean PCOS, no insulin issues at all. She's like, but I think I need Ozempic earnestly, not maliciously. And I was like, you really don't. And this is why you don't need it because you don't have that piece of this. And she was like, I thought everyone needed Ozempic. I was like, no, no, right? If you have insulin resistance, you probably would. Yeah, you clearly um, don't because you're- but, Well, you can be little and still have insulin, but I was like, but you you don't. But it was it's really interesting to me that people conflated all as one and it's not. And so PCOS is variable. There are definitely because criteria. Ozempic is a big- that's, it hap- yeah, what happened to my cousin just got diagnosed with PCOS. Her doctor said, I'm going to put you on birth control, spironolactone and Ozempic. Mm-hmm. And, I w- and I was like, I totally get it. I was mm-hmm. like on spironolactone for fucking ever mm-hmm. and birth control forever. I did Ozempic for three months. I am the one person it didn't work on, which was insane because it was so annoying and I wasted so much money on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was like, I literally sent a note to my doctor saying, I defy science. It was like, why God, why? Like, how is this working for everyone but me? But I said to her, you know, it's like, you still have to manage what's happening. Like you said, it is a Band-Aid. So I was like, maybe you could find somebody that you can work with to figure out where you are. And really also like, would you say for somebody who is trying to conceive or interested who has PCOS that maybe like I have a blood glucose monitor that I wear and there were things that were spiking my blood sugar that I had mm-hmm. no clue about. So maybe like really trying to like control that insulin 
yeah. aspect of it, I of would course. say it's probably helpful, right? Of course. Oh my God. Diet and exercise is the first thing we talk about, right? Yeah. The challenges for all of us, if you have real insulin resistance with PCOS, you most of them have to be so regimented that it's hard. It's yeah. really hard to maintain that. And so then the option is, do I want to live this life of kind yeah, of restriction? Or do I want to take a medication that will do it for me? I really would rally against this. Like it's the easy way out. It is not the medic. No one loves medication. I, you know, I'm like a Christian scientist doctor. I don't like medication, but medication is really great when you need it. And so Ozempic is really great when you have insulin resistance because Mm -hmm. it's going to manage those symptoms and then decrease your risk of a slew of other things like stroke, you know, high cholesterol. But always I think doctors are saying, do this in conjunction with, right? Trying yes. to change your lifestyle and habits because it will just make it more effective. But I will say that, and I'm sure you know this and feel this too, a lot of women who have PCOS, their diets are great. It's not because they're eating well, like Cheetos and doctor. mac and cheese. Yeah, totally. it's- My doctor was telling me that she was been giving, this was like God, two years ago or something before it was all talked about, but the doctor who gave me a Zembic, in a very loving way, she was like, how, for how long have you had like disordered eating because of this? And I was like, since eighth grade, oh, yeah. she was like, I see so many women. It's like, you're, it's like, you think it's just like a food thing and you like work out too hard and you like restrict too much. And she's like, you just make your PCS so much worse and you can keep the weight on, you know, it's just, she was saying so many of her patients with PCOS have just had such bad disordered eating for so mm-hmm. long because there is nothing that you can do to lose weight. You just start getting mm-hmm. weird. Absolutely. I mean, I was raised in New York City, so I think I've had disordered eating for like since I was eight, <laughs> right? Yeah. But yes, like it's <laughs> ab- absolutely unequivocally true. Anyway, so that, that's my piece of Ashville. What's, okay. what's your next question? I'm ready. <laughs> How long should you wait to try again after having a C-section? That depends on the type of C-section. So okay. C-sections that occur like late preterm or even like past 34 weeks, usually the incision is in a certain part of the uterus. It heals pretty quickly, but it's still 12 months. So you have to really let it heal. Oh, it is a year, really. It absolutely is because... Anytime you incise muscle, it weakens it no matter what, even if it heals perfectly, right? You weaken it by percentage points. And so you can certainly still labor and have a vaginal delivery if you want to after a C-section, but your doctor's always going to be monitoring and like be a little bit nervous about that, but it's absolutely safe. A C-section if you're really early. So let's say between like 22 weeks and 34 weeks, the incision is a different direction. So it is vertical no. it's up and down because mm-hmm, the uterus is much smaller. So that takes Ooh. longer to heal because you've cut into a part of the uterus that doesn't heal as well. God, women are unbelievable. Unbelievable. And also a C-section is no joke. It's major abdominal surgery just yeah. for those people like the recovery. I can't believe stuff. that it was such a thing to just choose to have an elective C-section for so long. I honestly like believe in choice. I get it all, but recovery and it's, it's not tough. Postpartum recovery is, is real yeah. and people need to have the grace to like take time off and do it. I can't um, believe that was such a thing for so long that it was just... Yeah. I don't think anybody was talking about like what the recovery was like, because I would rather have an easier recovery and give labor, you know, as long as I can give it naturally, because my poor friends who've had C-sections, I mean, yeah, you can't walk. I mean, it's a whole. No, it's, it's really, I mean, your abdominal muscles are in size. You don't realize how much you use your core until your core is non-functional. And then you're like, wait a second, I can't like sit up. So it's hard. It's really hard. That's why at least some maternal leaves are longer if you have a C-section. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
What can we do early to prepare our bodies for pregnancy? Most important thing is just to make sure you're maintaining like a healthy lifestyle. So what that would mean is like healthy caloric intake, healthy exercise routine, if you have the time and the wherewithal to do so. Prenatal vitamins are surprisingly actually meant to keep you okay when the pregnancy grows, Mm. meaning the pregnancy is going to zap all of your nutrients because it's like a little parasite. And so women become nutritionally deficient because they're feeding the pregnancy. So prenatal vitamins are actually for you and not the pregnancy. The pregnancy would do okay. Okay, Almost 37 years old when I found that out. (laughs) Except folic acid. Folic acid is pretty, really important for fetal development, but everything else it's, it's just actually to support you, but prenatals and ideally you're taking them three months before you're conceiving, just so you're kind of filling up the stores. And I would start to track your ovulation so you can just begin to see, are there any issues that you should be aware of? And that's honestly it. You don't have to stop drinking months before you're pregnant. I get asked this all the time or like stop living your life and exercising the way you want to. It's so funny when people get worried about the drinking thing. I'm like, how many babies were conceived by drunk people? (laughs) I know, but in fairness, you're totally right. But in fairness, the the recommendations from like the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology have gotten much more restrictive around drinking. We I'm used sure. to say like, you know, there you can have a glass of wine in the third trimester. And now we say there's no safe amount of alcohol to ingest at any point in pregnancy. So it's like, that doesn't mean that you should cut out drinking before you're pregnant though. Yeah, right? no, so like, before you're pregnant. yeah, no, people do this. And I was like, but you're, no, we're not pregnant. Don't worry about this yet. Yeah. Um, but if you want to, of course you can. This is what makes me cry when because it's just so true. Why does it feel so hard to get pregnant these days? I actually think social media has a lot to do with this because people used to not know, know it. that it's like it's like when I was in high school, if there was social media, I would have been so depressed because I would have realized how much I wasn't included in. Right. But I oh know I was blissfully yeah. unaware. Of course. I feel like now everyone is really quick to kind of share, which on one hand is wonderful. On the other hand, can make people feel really isolated and mm-hmm. that it's like a struggle. I also think there's more awareness. So I get asked this question in in different contexts, which is like, why does everyone I know have a low egg counts? And it's because we're looking for it. And low egg counts don't impact your fertility, right? They don't like change your ability to get pregnant. They impact the number of eggs I can grow. So our moms and aunts Mm -hmm. had no idea because it didn't matter. They got pregnant, no problem, because that's what happens more often than not when you have lower numbers. So I think that's just, it's out there more. It's actually, and a little bit of it is we are delaying. So I was going to say it has to be because we're yeah. waiting way oh my longer God. than our moms Age to first pregnancy is much yeah. older now than it was. And so it's a struggle and we're, we're like less patient. I think people are seeking care sooner because they see all of their friends having these kind of horror stories and journeys of fertility. And like, I don't want that. I know I've only been yeah. trying for three months and I'm 34, but like, I'm sure something is wrong. And most of the time they're right. Like I, again, I said, I wasn't woo woo and I'm not, but like, I believe in a gut instinct. So I believe people are like, I just feel like something is off. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to validate that. And we're going to look because who knows? Mm -hmm. So that, that's my sense. Yes, we're, we're waiting. So it is harder. And, but I do think people are just more like out there with it. So you just recognize that you are struggling more than most because they're, they're posting about it. I do feel like we're, at a high level of stress, but then I watch like 1882 and I'm like, people died yes. <laughs> all day, every fucking day. <laughs> exactly. Like people like, have been getting pregnant in stressful situations since the dawn of time. The dawn of time. <laughs> so it's, it's like, like right yes. animals. So <laughs> yeah, yes. like, I don't, I don't know that that is it, but I, I, used to I definitely watch think people die publicly for fun. That <laughs> was like entertainment. 
I had my sister-in-law on the podcast so long ago. I need to get her back on. Oh, that's so fun. Wow. Yeah, she's cool. She's a crazy, like world-renowned archaeologist. And I had her on the podcast during COVID. And she was like, I know this sounds insane, but it's like actually the safest time to be alive. And I was like, wow. Like, What about climate change? I have a lot of questions. (laughs) Well, she was, she was like, our future is scary. But she was like, there's diseases in the ice. Yeah, that oh made God. COVID look like a joke. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to not think about that. As That's I why think. I couldn't watch The Last of Us. It gave me too much anxiety. And I don't run that anxious, but I was like, nope, pass. This <laughs> is a house of happy things only. My husband yeah. and I talked about this. He's like, let's watch Serpico. I'm like, it's Nancy Myers movies or Friends. That's <laughs> the level of entertainment that's happening. Yeah, so. And Gilmore Girls. Well, Gilmore yeah. Girls in there too. That's, it was a that's good rewatch. Safe. Yeah. <laughs> How often should we have sex when we're ovulating? This has actually been studied. So I have an answer for this. Every other day is sufficient. It's the key just to know when you're ovulating and the other key is to know that you want to front load it. So sperm can live for up to five days, whereas an egg is a disappearing message. So once it's released, you have like 12 to 24 hours for that egg to like exist. So concept is you want to actually be having sex before you're seeing that like positive. The The sperm's lying in wait, essentially. And every other day in that fertile window is sufficient. More doesn't make you like pregnant faster mm-hmm. and less p- potentially can impact your month to month pregnancy rate. So every other day is enough. Great. Yeah. What do I do about low AMH? And by the way, I had an IVF doctor that I didn't work with who was awful, but told me mm. my AMH was so low and I would never get pregnant. I hear that all the time. And it's really heartbreaking because when I sometimes when I hear it, it's led the patient to delay seeking my care for like a year and change. Mm. And that delay has caused harm, right? Because that experience was so toxic that they were afraid. Yeah. And that is- Oh, really, wow. That's so interesting that that and ended I, up being I, harmful. I mean, it's, it's so hard for me because it's, there's a way to, there's a way to message about low AMH and ovarian reserve that can still be like factual and, and not like heartbreaking. Honest and not- Yes. So, and this, this is hard, but low AMH, just to back up, AMH is just a surrogate for how many resting follicles or eggs your body has in total. AMH can be impacted by other things. So more often than that, it will be increased by things like autoimmune diseases, endometriosis, Mm. gut issues can bump your AMH a bit. And things like birth control pills can decrease it slightly combined birth control pills, but never like move it out of a category. So if it's average, it's still going to be average. It just might like move up a point or two once you stop birth control pills. If it's low, it's low. It's not the birth control pills. I say this all the time, every day to people. AMH is just, again, it's a quantity thing. So you can't change it. You can go off of a pill and maybe it will bump a little bit, but you're not going to materially make a big difference there because the ultrasound of like how many follicles exist is going to always stay in the same zone. So it's, there's no way. I mean, you can maybe move an AMH a little bit by doing some stuff, but you're actually not changing the number of eggs or follicles that are available. So it becomes like this number looks a little better. I feel a little better, but materially nothing has changed. But clearly you can get pregnant if you have. Oh my well, God. Yes. Because this I thing. So numbers, baby. numbers of eggs is different from your chance to get pregnant. The pregnancy is literally only every month is your body trying. Know that when your body releases eggs, whatever that starting pool is, one is selected. So if you release five, you have one chance of pregnancy. If you release 20, you have one chance of pregnancy. That's why these numbers don't matter for your month to month fecundity, Mm. but it matters for like me and my ability to 
garner success because all of that is by saying, I'm just going to grow as many as I can and then we'll see what happens. And so if I can only grow five, it's harder at the end of the day to have success versus if I can grow 20. Got it. But no, low AMH is not infertility and scream that from the rafters because it's so misunderstood. Yeah, because it was basically like, I'm broken and it's not going to happen. But he was also like the car salesman of IVF. And but so. it's so bad because it also, what it can do is it can make people like accelerate their family plans, which also breaks my heart because I don't want anyone to get pregnant when they're not ready to get pregnant. Well, what also it was sad is that man's fucking office and you should check out the vibes of your doctor's office. That mm. doctor's office was like cold, scared, weird, packed. Yeah. Packed with women that you could tell financially couldn't afford this and were oh. fucking desperate. And we're, it was like the worst. I remember going with my husband and he was like, I'm waiting in the hallway. Like, this is like, yeah, it wasn't like a bunch of women like, okay, I'm on this journey. And like, it was like cold, scared, freaked out. It was like people were cattle. It was fucking atrocious. I never even saw the doctor. So it was like, I think that's what we we're getting to your point. Yeah. Earlier. It's like, that is not the experience that I deserve to bring a child into this world. That's an important point that I didn't say, which is if your gestalt is that all of your friends have gone to one clinic, have had the same exact treatment and approach, then you wonder, like, is there actual individualations there? Are they considering what's happening? There are little nuances for every single person. And so if everyone's approach is your AMH is low, you have to do IVF. That's just, it doesn't make sense, right? So some of this is, again, trust your gut. If your friends are telling you and they seem really different to you that everything they did was exactly the same, I would like head scratch. I'm like, how could that be? How did like Jody have the same thing as like Felicia? Sometimes it's reasonable, sometimes it's not. Okay, this is the last one. Ways to increase progesterone naturally, which I'm happy she asked this because I have very low progesterone. So that's interesting, right? So progesterone is the hormone that's literally pro-gestation. Mm-hmm. So what happens once you ovulate, where that egg came from becomes a cyst actually called a corpus luteum that makes progesterone. That corpus luteum only survives for 14 days. So the part of a woman's menstrual cycle that is fixed is from ovulation to first day of your period mm-hmm. is 14 days. Mm-hmm. How long it takes to build an egg is variable woman to woman, but that is fixed. And that's called the luteal phase. Mm-hmm. Progesterone is a pulsatile hormone. So if you check it at 8am, it may be one value, noon, it may be another and 5pm, it's a different one. Mm-hmm. And so the question of like, what do you, what is sufficient to maintain a pregnancy? A progesterone level of more than three is definition that you have ovulated. In general, and this is hard to come by because we're not like tech checking random women's progesterone levels when they're yeah, pregnant, course, right? So we course. don't actually know this stuff to be totally transparent, but we say you want at least eight progesterone level to support a pregnancy. So let's say you're pregnant and I check your progesterone and it's six, but I see the pregnancy. So I know it's inside the uterus. We could talk about, do we supplement with progesterone? That's what I did with this. Carmella. I had to supplement yeah. for my first trimester with progesterone. And, and there are, pro, honestly, there are pros and cons. There are pros and cons to be told. Like, what yeah. could the con be? I was just like, yeah, give me the progesterone. So two things. One, sometimes if the body's progesterone is low, it's because the body doesn't want the pregnancy to continue because it sees something abnormal. Uh, and so what can happen when you like artificially continue uh, it is you end up just kind of prolonging a tough situation. Not always, but this is the concern. Second thing is progesterone, especially for male fetuses. There's a lot of data that it can adjust like the urethral opening of the penis. So you get hypospadias from progesterone. So 
these, and again, these are things your doc's going to talk to you about. And they're going to say, is it worth it for you? Yes or no. (laughs) It's like, it's like, yes or no, but in general, and it's messy and all these things, but having like low progesterone as a cause of infertility is actually exceedingly rare and oh wow like like batted around as it doesn't even exist it's called luteal phase defect which means that your body the corpus luteum stops early that it stops at like 10 days or less and so it's mm. artificially stopping your ability to get pregnant because it's not allowing it to continue so in those situations maybe you would take progesterone but the truth is you can't naturally change it you can supplement it, but you have to be very careful when you do that because progesterone is also a contraceptive. So when you start progesterone, you have to know that like the embryo was formed and it's, so you would not do it. You would do it like seven days after you think you ovulated. Like there has to be a time. Your gynecologist and we will do this because if you miss the window, you're going to screw it up. And I just saw that couple today where she was taking progesterone supplementation at the wrong time. Shit. And I was like, so here's the thing. I can't, I don't know, but yeah. I think it's totally possible that you are actually preventing this implantation because if you make the body like receptive too soon, then the uterus doesn't accept the embryo because it's like, I expected you five days ago. Oh I don't care God. that you're here now. And it's like two ships in a night. So yeah, it, yeah, you yeah. basically have to add the progesterone once the system has seen enough of it. So you're just literally like glomming on as opposed to too kind of soon. So the answer is you really can't, but I also don't believe like spot check progesterones are that helpful, to be honest with you. It's beyond helpful for me. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so thankful. Where can people find you? Spring Fertility in New York City. There are four physicians that work here, all fantastic providers and people. And we do fertility preservation and fertility, and we would be super happy to care for anybody. Wonderful. Thank you so much, doctor. I'm My so pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Okay, talk to you soon. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.